0: PAPER 67 THE PLANETARY REBELLION The problems associated with human existence on Urantia are impossible of understanding without a knowledge of certain great ethics of the past, notably the occurrence and consequences of the planetary rebellion. Although this upheaval did not seriously interfere with the progress of organic evolution, it did markedly modify the course of social evolution and of spiritual development. The entire superphysical history of the planet was profoundly influenced by this devastating calamity. 1. The Caligastia Betrayal For three hundred thousand years, Caligastia had been in charge of Urantia, when Satan, Lucifer's assistant, made one of his periodic inspection calls. And when Satan arrived on the planet, his appearance in no way resembled your caricatures of his nefarious majesty. He was, and still is, a Lanonidec son of great brilliance. And no marvel, for Satan himself is a brilliant creature of light. In the course of this inspection, Satan informed Caligastia of Lucifer's then proposed declaration of liberty, and as we now know, the prince agreed to betray the planet upon the announcement of the rebellion. The loyal universe personalities look with peculiar disdain upon Prince Caligastia, because of this premeditated betrayal of trust. The Creator Son voiced this contempt when he said, "You are like your leader Lucifer, and you have sinfully perpetuated his iniquity. He was a falsifier from the beginning of his self-exaltation." Because he abode not in the truth. In all the administrative work of a local universe, no high trust is deemed more sacred than that reposed in a planetary prince who assumes responsibility for the welfare and guidance of the evolving mortals on a newly inhabited world. And of all forms of evil, none are more destructive of personality status than betrayal of trust and disloyalty to one's confiding friends. In committing this deliberate sin, Caligastia so completely distorted his personality that his mind has never since been able fully to regain its equilibrium. There are many ways of looking at sin, but from the universe-philosophic viewpoint, sin is the attitude of a personality who is knowingly resisting cosmic reality. Error might be regarded as a misconception or distortion of reality. Evil is a partial realization of or maladjustment to universe realities, but sin is a purposeful resistance to divine reality, a conscious choosing to oppose spiritual progress, while iniquity consists in an open and persistent defiance of recognized reality and signifies such a degree of personality disintegration as to border on cosmic insanity. Error suggests lack of intellectual keenness. Evil, deficiency of wisdom. Sin, abject spiritual poverty. But iniquity is indicative of vanishing personality control. And when sin has so many times been chosen and so often been repeated, it may become habitual. Habitual sinners can easily become iniquitous, become wholehearted rebels against the universe and all of its divine realities while all manner of sins may be forgiven, we doubt whether the established iniquiter would ever sincerely experience sorrow for his misdeeds or accept forgiveness for his sins. 2. THE OUTBREAK OF REBELLION Shortly after Satan's inspection, and when the planetary administration was on the eve of the realization of great things on Urantia, one day, midwinter of the northern continents, Calagastia held a prolonged conference with his associate Dalagastia, after which the latter called the Ten Councils of Urantia in session extraordinary. This assembly was opened with the statement that Prince Calagastia was about to proclaim himself absolute sovereign of Urantia, and demanded that all administrative groups abdicate by resigning all of their functions and powers into the hands of Dalagastia as trustee pending the reorganization of the planetary government and a subsequent redistribution of these offices of administrative authority. The presentation of this astounding demand was followed by the masterly appeal of Van, chairman of the Supreme Council of Coordination. This distinguished administrator and able jurist branded the proposed course of Caligastia as an act bordering on planetary rebellion and appealed to his conferees to abstain from all participation until an appeal could be taken to Lucifer, the system sovereign of Satania, and he won the support of the entire staff. Accordingly, appeal was taken to Jerusalem, and forthwith came back the orders designating Caligastia as supreme sovereign on Urantia, and commanding absolute and unquestioning allegiance to his mandates. And it was in reply to this amazing message that the noble Van made his memorable address of seven hours' length, in which he formally drew his indictment of Dalagastia, Caligastia, and Lucifer as standing in contempt of the sovereignty of the universe of Nebadon, and he appealed to the Most Highs of Edentia for support and confirmation. Meantime the system circuits had been severed. Urantia was isolated. Every group of celestial life on the planet found itself suddenly and without warning, isolated, utterly cut off from all outside counsel and advice. Dalagastia formally proclaimed Calagastia, god of Urantia and supreme over all. With this proclamation before them, the issues were clearly drawn, and each group drew off by itself and began deliberations, discussions destined eventually to determine the fate of every superhuman personality on the planet. Seraphim and Cherubim and other celestial beings were involved in the decisions of this bitter struggle, this long and sinful conflict. Many superhuman groups, that chanced to be on Eurantia at the time of its isolation, were detained here, and, like the Seraphim and their associates, were compelled to choose between sin and righteousness, between the ways of Lucifer and the will of the Unseen Father. For more than seven years this struggle continued. Not until every personality concerned had made a final decision would or did the authorities of Edentia interfere or intervene. Not until then did Van and his loyal associates receive vindication and release from their prolonged anxiety and intolerable suspense. 3. The Seven Crucial Years The outbreak of rebellion on Jerusalem, the capital of Satania, Was broadcast by the Melchizedek Council. The emergency Melchizedek's were immediately dispatched to Jerusalem, and Gabriel volunteered to act as the representative of the Creator Son whose authority had been challenged. With this broadcast of the fact of rebellion in Satania, the system was isolated, quarantined from her sister systems. There was War in Heaven, the headquarters of Satania, and it spread to every planet in the local system. On Urantia, forty members of the corporeal staff of one hundred, including Van, refused to join the insurrection. Many of the staff's human assistants, modified and otherwise, were also brave and noble defenders of Michael and his universe government. There was a terrible loss of personalities among seraphim and cherubim. Almost one half of the administrator and transition seraphim assigned to the planet joined their leader and Dalagastia in support of the cause of Lucifer. Forty thousand one hundred and nineteen of the primary Midway creatures joined hands with Calagastia, but the remainder of these beings remained true to their trust. The traitorous prince marshaled the disloyal Midway creatures and other groups of rebel personalities and organized them to execute his bidding, while Van assembled the loyal Midwayers and other faithful groups and began the great battle for the salvation of the planetary staff and other marooned celestial personalities. During the times of this struggle, the Loyalists dwelt in an unwalled and poorly protected settlement a few miles to the east of Dalamacia. But their dwellings were guarded day and night by the alert and ever watchful loyal midway creatures, and they had possession of the priceless tree of life. Upon the outbreak of rebellion, loyal cherubim and seraphim, with the aid of three faithful midwayers, assumed the custody of the Tree of Life and permitted only the forty loyalists of the staff and their associated modified mortals to partake of the fruit and leaves of this energy plant. There were fifty-six of these modified Andonite associates of the staff, sixteen of the Andonite attendants of the disloyal staff refusing to go into rebellion with their masters. Throughout the seven crucial years of the Caligastia Rebellion, Van was wholly devoted to the work of ministry to his loyal army of men, midwears, and angels. The spiritual insight and moral steadfastness which enabled Van to maintain such an unshakable attitude of loyalty to the universe government was the product of clear thinking, wise reasoning, logical judgment, sincere motivation, unselfish purpose, intelligent loyalty experiential memory, disciplined character, and the unquestioning dedication of his personality to the doing of the will of the Father in Paradise. This seven years of waiting was a time of heart-searching and soul-discipline. Such crises in the affairs of a universe demonstrate the tremendous influence of mind as a factor in spiritual choosing. Education, training, and experience are factors in most of the vital decisions of all evolutionary moral creatures. But it is entirely possible for the indwelling spirit to make direct contact with the decision-determining powers of the human personality so as to empower the fully consecrated will of the creature to perform amazing acts of loyal devotion to the will and the way of the Father in Paradise. And this is just what occurred in the experience of Amadon, the modified human associate of Van. Amadon is the outstanding human hero of the Lucifer Rebellion. This male descendant of Andon and Fanta was one of the one hundred who contributed life plasm to the prince's staff, and ever since that event he had been attached to Van as his associate and human assistant. Amadon elected to stand with his chief throughout the long and trying struggle. And it was an inspiring sight to behold this child of the evolutionary races, standing unmoved by the sophistries of Galagastia, while throughout the seven-year struggle he and his loyal associates resisted with unyielding fortitude all of the deceptive teachings of the brilliant Calagastia. Calagastia with a maximum of intelligence and a vast experience in universe affairs, went astray, embraced sin. Amidon, with a minimum of intelligence and utterly devoid of universe experience, remained steadfast in the service of the universe and in loyalty to his associate. Van utilized both mind and spirit in a magnificent and effective combination of intellectual determination and spiritual insight, thereby achieving an experiential level of personality realization of the highest attainable order. Mind and spirit, when fully united, are potential for the creation of superhuman values, even Marancha realities. There is no end to the recital of the stirring events of these tragic days. But at last the final decision of the last personality was made, and then, but only then, did a Most High of Edentia arrive with the emergency Melchizedeks to seize authority on Eurantia the Caligastia panoramic rain records on Jerusalem were obliterated, and the probationary era of planetary rehabilitation was inaugurated. 4. The Caligastia 100 After Rebellion When the final roll was called, the corporeal members of the prince's staff were found to have aligned themselves as follows. Van and his entire court of coordination had remained loyal, Ang and three members of the food council had survived. The board of animal husbandry were all swept into rebellion, as were all of the animal conquest advisers. Fad and five members of the educational faculty were saved. Nod and all of the commission on industry and trade joined Caligastia. Hap and the entire college of revealed religion remained loyal with Van and his noble band. Lut, and the whole Board of Health were lost. The Council of Art and Science remained loyal in its entirety, but Tut and the Commission on Tribal Government all went astray. Thus were forty out of the one hundred saved, later to be transferred to Jerusalem, where they resumed their paradise journey. The sixty members of the planetary staff who went into rebellion chose Nod as their leader. They worked wholeheartedly for the rebel prince, but soon discovered that they were deprived of the sustenance of the system life circuits. They awakened to the fact that they had been degraded to the status of mortal beings. They were indeed superhuman, but at the same time material and mortal. In an effort to increase their numbers, Dalagastia ordered immediate resort to sexual reproduction knowing full well that the original sixty and their forty-four modified Andonite associates were doomed to suffer extinction by death sooner or later. After the fall of Dalamacia, the disloyal staff migrated to the north and the east. Their descendants were long known as the Nodites, and their dwelling place as the land of Nod. The presence of these extraordinary supermen and superwomen stranded by rebellion and presently mating with the sons and daughters of earth, easily gave origin to those traditional stories of the gods coming down to mate with mortals, and thus originated the thousand and one legends of a mythical nature, but founded on the facts of the post-rebellion days, which later found a place in the folk tales and traditions of the various peoples whose ancestors had participated in these contacts with the Nodites and their descendants. The staff rebels, deprived of spiritual sustenance, eventually died a natural death, and much of the subsequent idolatry of the human races grew out of the desire to perpetuate the memory of these highly honored beings of the days of Caligastia. When the staff of one hundred came to Urantia, they were temporarily detached from their thought-adjusters. Immediately upon the arrival of the Melchizedek receivers, the loyal personalities except Ban were returned to Jerusalem and were reunited with their waiting adjusters. We know not the fate of the sixty staff rebels. Their adjusters still tarry on Jerusalem. Matters will undoubtedly rest as they now are until the entire Lucifer rebellion is finally adjudicated and the fate of all participants decreed. It was very difficult for such beings as angels and midwayers to conceive of brilliant and trusted rulers like Caligastia and Dalagastia going astray, committing traitorous sin. Those beings who fell into sin—they did not deliberately or premeditatedly enter upon rebellion—were misled by their superiors, deceived by their trusted leaders. It was likewise easy to win the support of the primitive-minded evolutionary mortals. The vast majority of all human and superhuman beings who are victims of the Lucifer rebellion on Jerusalem and the various misled planets, have long since heartily repented of their folly, and we truly believe that all such sincere penitence will in some manner be rehabilitated and restored to some phase of universe service when the ancients of days finally complete the adjudication of the affairs of the Satania rebellion, which they have so recently begun. 5. IMMEDIATE RESULTS OF REBELLION Great confusion reigned in Dalmatia and thereabout for almost fifty years after the instigation of rebellion. The complete and radical reorganization of the whole world was attempted. Revolution displaced evolution as the policy of cultural advancement and racial improvement. Among the superior and partially trained sojourners in and near Dalmatia. There appeared a sudden advancement in cultural status. But when these new and radical methods were attempted on the outlying peoples, indescribable confusion and racial pandemonium was the immediate result. Liberty was quickly translated into license by the half-evolved primitive men of those days. Very soon after the rebellion, the entire staff of sedition were engaged in energetic defense of the city against the hordes of semi-savages who besieged its walls as a result of the doctrines of liberty which had been prematurely taught them. And years before the beautiful headquarters went down beneath the southern waves, the misled and mistaught tribes of the Dalmatia hinterland had already swept down in semi-savage assault on the splendid city, driving the secession staff and their associates northward. The Calagastia scheme for the immediate reconstruction of human society, in accordance with his ideas of individual freedom and group liberties, proved a swift and more or less complete failure. Society quickly sank back to its old biologic level, and the forward struggle began all over, starting not very far in advance of where it was at the beginning of the Caligastia regime, this upheaval having left the world in confusion worse confounded. One hundred and sixty-two years after the rebellion, a tidal wave swept up over Dalamacia, and the planetary headquarters sank beneath the waters of the sea, and this land did not again emerge until almost every vestige of the noble culture of those splendid ages had been obliterated. When the first capital of the world was engulfed, it harbored only the lowest types of the Sangic races of Urantia—renegades. Had already converted the Father's temple into a shrine dedicated to Nog, a false god of light and fire. 6. Van, the Steadfast. The followers of Van early withdrew to the highlands west of India, where they were exempt from attacks by the confused races of the lowlands, and from which place of retirement they planned for the rehabilitation of the world as their early Badanite predecessors, had once all unwittingly worked for the welfare of mankind just before the days of the birth of the Sangik tribes. Before the arrival of the Melchizedek receivers, Van placed the administration of human affairs in the hands of ten commissions of four each, groups identical with those of the prince's regime. The senior resident life-carriers assumed temporary leadership of this council of forty which functioned throughout the seven years of waiting similar groups of ammonites assumed these responsibilities when the 39 loyal staff members returned to Jerusalem these ammonites were derived from the group of 144 loyal andonites to which amadon belonged and who have become known by his name this group comprised 39 men and 105 women 56 of this number were of immortality status, and all, except Amadon were translated along with the loyal members of the staff. The remainder of this noble band continued on earth to the end of their mortal days under the leadership of Van and Amadon. They were the biologic leaven, which multiplied and continued to furnish leadership for the world down through the long, dark ages of the post-rebellion era. Van was left on Urantia until the time of Adam, remaining as titular head of all superhuman personalities functioning on the planet. He and Amadon were sustained by the technique of the Tree of Life in conjunction with the specialized life ministry of the Melchizedeks for over 150,000 years. The affairs of Urantia were for a long time administered by a council of planetary receivers, twelve Melchizedeks, confirmed by the mandate of the senior constellation ruler the Most High Father of Norlashidek, associated with Melchizedek receivers was an advisory council consisting of one of the loyal aides of the fallen prince, the two resident life carriers, a trinitized son in apprenticeship training, a volunteer teacher son, a brilliant evening star of Avalon, periodically, the chiefs of seraphim and cherubim, advisors from two neighboring planets, the Director-General of Subordinate Angelic Life, and Van, the Commander-in-Chief of the Midway Creatures. And thus was Urantia governed and administered until the arrival of Adam. It is not strange that the courageous and loyal Van was assigned a place on the Council of Planetary Receivers which for so long administered the affairs of Urantia. The twelve Melchizedek receivers of Urantia did heroic work. They preserved the remnants of civilization, and their planetary policies were faithfully executed by Van. Within one thousand years after the rebellion, he had more than three hundred and fifty advanced groups scattered abroad in the world. These outposts of civilization consisted largely of the descendants of the loyal Andonites, slightly admixed with the Sangic races particularly the Blue Men and with the Nodites. Notwithstanding the terrible setback of rebellion, there were many good strains of biologic promise on earth. Under the supervision of the Melchizedek receivers, Van and Amadon continued the work of fostering the natural evolution of the human race, carrying forward the physical evolution of man until it reached that culminating attainment which warranted the dispatch of a material son and daughter to Urantia. Van and Amadon remained on earth until shortly after the arrival of Adam and Eve. Some years thereafter they were translated to Jerusalem, where Van was reunited with his waiting adjuster. Van now serves in behalf of Urantia, while awaiting the order to go forward on the long, long trail to paradise perfection and the unrevealed destiny of the assembling core of mortal finality. It should be recorded that, when Van appealed to the Most Highs of Edentia, after Lucifer had sustained Caligastia on Urantia, the constellation fathers dispatched an immediate decision sustaining Van on every point of his contention. This verdict failed to reach him because the planetary circuits of communication were severed while it was in transit. Only recently was this actual ruling discovered lodged in the possession of a relay energy transmitter, where it had been marooned ever since the isolation of Urantia. Without this discovery, made as the result of the investigations of the Urantia midwayers, the release of this decision would have awaited the restoration of Urantia to the constellation circuits, and this apparent accident of interplanetary communication, was possible because energy transmitters can receive and transmit intelligence but they cannot initiate communication. The technical status of Ban on the legal records of Satania was not actually and finally settled until this ruling of the Adentia Fathers was recorded on Jerusalem. 7. Remote Repercussions of Sin The personal centripetal consequences of the creature's willful and persistent rejection of light are both inevitable and individual, and are of concern only to deity and to that personal creature. Such a soul-destroying harvest of iniquity is the inner reaping of the iniquitous will creature. But not so with the external repercussions of sin. The impersonal, centrifugal consequences of embraced sin are both inevitable and collective, being of concern to every creature functioning within the affect range of such events. By fifty thousand years after the collapse of the planetary administration, earthly affairs were so disorganized and retarded that the human race had gained very little over the general evolutionary status existing at the time of Caligastia's arrival three hundred and fifty thousand years previously. In certain respects progress had been made, In other directions, much ground had been lost. Sin is never purely local in its effects. The administrative sectors of the universes are organismal. The plight of one personality must, to a certain extent, be shared by all. Sin, being an attitude of the person toward reality, is destined to exhibit its inherent negativistic harvest upon any and all related levels of universe values but the full consequences of erroneous thinking, evil doing, or sinful planning are experienced only on the level of actual performance. The transgression of universe law may be fatal in the physical realm without seriously involving the mind or impairing the spiritual experience. Sin is fraught with fatal consequences to personality survival only when it is the attitude of the whole being when it stands for the choosing of the mind and the willing of the soul. Evil and sin visit their consequences in material and social realms, and may sometimes even retard spiritual progress on certain levels of universe reality, but never does the sin of any being rob another of the realization of the divine right of personality survival. Eternal survival can be jeopardized only by the decisions of the mind and the choice of the soul of the individual himself. Sin on Urantia did very little to delay biologic evolution, but it did operate to deprive the mortal races of the full benefit of the Adamic inheritance. Sin enormously retards intellectual development, moral growth, social progress, and mass spiritual attainment, but it does not prevent the highest spiritual achievement by any individual who chooses to know God and sincerely do His divine will. Caligastia rebelled. Adam and Eve did default. But no mortal subsequently born on Urantia has suffered in his personal spiritual experience because of these blunders. Every mortal born on Urantia since Caligastia's rebellion has been in some manner time penalized but the future welfare of such souls has never been in the least eternity jeopardized. No person is ever made to suffer vital spiritual deprivation because of the sin of another. Sin is wholly personal as to moral guilt or spiritual consequences, notwithstanding its far-flung repercussions in administrative, intellectual, and social domains. While we cannot fathom the wisdom that permits such catastrophes, we can always discern the beneficial outworking of these local disturbances as they are reflected out upon the universe at large. 8. The human hero of the rebellion. The Lucifer rebellion was withstood by many courageous beings on the various worlds of Satania, but the records of Salvington portray Amadon as the outstanding character of the entire system in his glorious rejection of the flood tides of sedition and in his unswerving devotion to Van, they stood together unmoved in their loyalty to the supremacy of the Invisible Father and his son Michael. At the time of these momentous transactions, I was stationed on Edentia, and I am still conscious of the exhilaration I experienced as I perused the Southington broadcasts which told from day to day of the unbelievable steadfastness, the transcendent devotion, and the exquisite loyalty of this one-time semi-savage springing from the experimental and original stock of the Andonic race. From Edentia up through Salvington and even on to Uversa, for seven long years the first inquiry of all subordinate celestial life regarding the Satania rebellion ever and always was, What of Amadon of Urantia? Does he still stand unmoved? If the Lucifer rebellion has handicapped the local system and its fallen worlds, if the loss of this son and his misled associates has temporarily hampered the progress of the constellation of Norlachidek, then weigh the effect of the far-flung presentation of the inspiring performance of this one child of nature and his determined band of one hundred forty-three comrades in standing steadfast for the higher concepts of universe management and administration in the face of such tremendous and adverse pressure exerted by his disloyal superiors. And let me assure you, this has already done more good in the universe of Nebadon and the super-universe of Orvantan than can ever be outweighed by the sum total of all the evil and sorrow of the Lucifer rebellion. And all this is a beautifully touching and superbly magnificent illumination of the wisdom of the Father's universal plan for mobilizing the core of mortal finality on Paradise, and for recruiting this vast group of mysterious servants of the future, largely from the common clay of the mortals of ascending progression. Just such mortals as the impregnable Amadon. Presented by Amel of Nebadon